You know, for many of us, Thanksgiving 2020, it's looked a, a little bit different. But I'm sure sometime during this last season, you've taken time to think about or reflect on the things that you have been thankful for. That's been the case with our family. One of Tammy's traditions for us is that we have a Thanksgiving thankful tree, and you'll see a little picture of it here. The introduction of two daughter-in-laws into our life has created more crafts and more interaction for us as a family during Thanksgiving. And so each year, we take time to make an ornament of the thing that we're thankful for in that year. It's kind of been fun, actually, to look back through the years and see the different ways that God has been so good to us. But can I confess to you this year, this year was a little tougher. It didn't naturally just flow easy. These are the 10 things that I'm just so happy about and grateful for. This year, there was struggle in 2020. But, you know, two things I think that have come back to me over and over that have been so rich has been this. It's been the provision of God and the presence of God. The provision of God for our family in this last year, it's been a gift, and what a joy. The provision for God for our church family in this last three year through you has been such a gift. But it's also been the presence, I think for me, the presence of God that has been so rich. During a season, I haven't felt alone or forgotten or isolated in that sense, and that's been the presence of God. I love that God desires to be near to us, that he's not a distance God, a distant God who would simply say, listen, don't look at me. Don't blame me. I didn't create this corona thing, right? You know, just suck it up, buttercup. You'll be fine. No, that's not who the heart of God really is. Look what John chapter 1, verse 14. Such a powerful passage. It says this. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And don't miss the powerful imagery of John chapter 1 here. This idea that he has made his home amongst us, it's really this idea that, that Jesus moved into your neighborhood. Or in the original, that the imagery is even deep, deeper. It says that he pitched his tent or he built his tabernacle in your presence. <clears throat> that God doesn't stay distant. That's what I love about this. That he pitches his tent in our presence. That he leans into us especially even during difficult seasons like 2020. And I don't know about you, but boy, that's a truth for me I've needed in this last year. And can I confess to you even more, I've needed in this last week, the chance that this weekend we're not having the chance to meet together as a church family, for whatever reason, has hit me harder than normal. It has has frustrated me, it has angered me, it has discouraged me, and it's left me asking these questions, why, God, I'm not understanding, help me to have this bigger picture. And in those moments, I'm reminded by my Heavenly Father that, that he's got this, right? That, that God is sovereign, we've talked about that a lot, that, that God is in control, that he has gone before us, and because he's there, he's a big enough God to handle even at times my irrational emotions or frustrations or thoughts that God has got this. And that he wants to hear from me. And I think the thing that reminds me of this intimate relationship between us and our Heavenly Father is really the names that God uses for himself. And what I love about the names of God is that it reveals to us a little bit of his character. Let me just remind you of a few of these. The name Elohim, which simply means that he is our supreme creator. Jehovah Jireh, that the Lord provides. Jehovah Shalom, that he is the God of peace. El Roi, that God sees you. And Abba, that he is our father. 
And you know, during this Thanksgiving season, we, we think a lot of family, and I wanted to take a little bit of time today and look closer at that name, Abba, Father, that God calls himself to give us more insight into his character that he is. Now, when I think about this name, Abba, I, I can't help but go back to the amazing Swedish theologians of the late 20th century and the amazing work that they did along this. Well, check this out. Oh, yeah, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, I know you didn't think this morning that you were going to get a little classic 70 rocks, a little bit of rock. Thank you. It's a gift, and you are welcome for that. You know, for some of our younger uh, viewers, if you're not familiar with the amazing Swedish band ABBA, you may have a couple questions. Were they named after the Aramaic name of God? Why is one of the B's turned backwards in their logo? Let me answer those questions. Well, the name actually came, it's the first letter of each of the singers in the band, and uh, so it's not named after the Aramaic God, unfortunately. And secondly, during a photo shoot, one of the, uh, the singers, he had his B backwards and didn't realize it, and because they had to wait to develop their film, they didn't find out till later that somebody had one of the B's backwards, and when they saw the image, they said, hey, this is kind of cool, and thus, Abba is born. You are welcome. What an amazing morning of trivia that we go. But let's go back to the things that are most important for us. John chapter 1, verse 14, the true Abba says this. So the word became human, and here's the deal, and made his home among us. That's such a powerful thing again, that, that God would move into our neighborhood, into our lives, into our struggle. And so he uses this word, Abba, again, a father who wants to be nearby. Now, when I use that name of God, let me just acknowledge up front, I, I realize that that's a word, father, that has a lot of, it's heavy, right? And that means a lot to us depending on how we have experienced even that relationship with our earthly father. The relationship between him and our heavenly father is so significant and I know for some of you that that word, boy, there's some baggage and there's some discouragement and some pain that comes along with that. But today I want to do this. I want to remind you when your heavenly father says to you, I, I want to be your Abba, your father, what he's intending and what he wants for you out of that relationship. And as we jump into that, I, I think it's a reminder for me and for those of us as dads, listen, the role that you play, the responsibility that we have, the privilege that we have to be a reflection of our Heavenly Father to our children is so significant. And so dads, I wanna just encourage you to lean into this moment. And especially in seasons like this, this season has been hard for everyone. It's been hard for moms, it's been hard for kids, it's been hard for singles. But dads, you have played an important role during this time. It's a unique role, and so I wanna encourage you, stay engaged. Stay present. Be reminded how you lead during this time gives a reflection to your family what their heavenly father is truly like. So Jesus says, I, I want you to know this. And God says, listen, I'm gonna use this term for who I am of Abed father. And here's the incredible thing. When Jesus refers to this, 
to his father. He uses the Aramaic term, which is a more intimate one than if he had used a Hebrew term for, for Abba, Father. And Jesus uses this it, in this intimate way in the Aramaic, which really we get our English word for Papa or Daddy. Now think about that. That's what makes what passage I want to give you here in Luke chapter 14 so powerful. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, go with me to Mark chapter 14. Again, if you go to lexcity.info, you can find all of the uh, sermon notes and everything happening here at our church there as we go. But Mark chapter 14, in the context again, Jesus is experiencing the most difficult season of his earthly ministry. He's preparing in just a moment to, to take that walk to go to the Calvary, to the hill of Golgotha. In Mark chapter 14, before that, Jesus is spending time in the garden with, with the Lord. He simply says this, in Mark chapter 14, he went on a little farther and he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by. Abba, Father, he cries out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. And I don't think we can fully grasp, boy, the tenderness and the intimacy of that moment when Jesus cries out of all the phrases, Abba, Papa, Daddy. In my moment of greatest distress, he calls for his father. And that really is the case, right? When I think about these moments of greatest distress, I I think back as a child, uh, we were out at the lake one day and was walking along the shore and a broken bottle was there and I ended up cutting my foot and cut it pretty significantly that had to be rushed uh, to the emergency room there to get some stitches to stop the bleeding and all that and I remember on the way crying and just wanting my mother to comfort me but while we were in the emergency room they kept trying to stick my toe to try to make it go numb and they couldn't do it and my parents share the story that evidently the doctor was a little bit inept and after a while After crying for my mother for comfort, my frustration became so strong, I then yelled out to my dad. I said, Daddy, make him stop. This hurts. And all of a sudden, my father steps in. Why? When I wanted comfort, I went to my mother. But when I wanted something done, I called out for my father. That's the situation where Jesus is in. When we want something done, we call out to our father. And for many of us, 2020 has been a time, there have been moments where we have done that very thing. We've called out to our father, meet us, help us. I need more than just comfort. I need something tangible in in that moment. And that's the context that we see again of Jesus. So to help us understand a little bit more what this word Abba Father means, I've got an acrostic for us today to just kind of, again, give us more insight into the character of God. And again, as we look at this, I want to remind us, as we share these four things with you, if you have experienced that in your own life, and say, man, I understand this, because I've experienced many of these in the context of my earthly father. Can I just say, A, be very grateful? Be thankful if you get a chance. Thank your father for that example. For some of you, though, you've not had that gift. And in this moment, even today, can I just encourage your heavenly father wants to fill that void. Your your heavenly father wants to express to you his heart in ways that maybe your earthly father hasn't. And he wants to pitch his tent in your presence and in your pain and in the struggle that you face. And so here's where we go. Number one of those is simply number one is Abba shows his love for his children through adoption, through adoption. 
first day. Galatians chapter four says this. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent a spirit of a son into our hearts, the spirit who called out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you also his heir. It's adoption. Man, it's this beautiful act. It's this beautiful example of just selfless love for somebody else. And some of you today, listen, you have experienced the joy of adoption in your life. You have either given it or you have received it. And for you today, as I share this first A of adoption, boy, there is a depth of this that you understand that few others do. When God says he loves you so much that he adopts you, it's a powerful thing. And in my life, that, that God would choose to adopt me is a powerful thing. And when I think about that in my life, for whatever reason, for me, my mind always goes back to this a visual of, of kind of a, a dog kennel. You, you go to adopt a, a new puppy, and as you walk in, on top of each dog cage is a little bit of sign that spells out all of their pedigree and all of the attributes of this dog. Well, in my mind, Jesus comes into the store and the manager immediately takes him up to the front and says, hey, can I show you some of my purebreds, some of my prettiest uh, pups that I have here, the fanciest dogs? And Jesus responds by saying, no, no, I I love these purebreds, but tell me a little bit about that one way in the back. And reluctantly, the manager takes Jesus back to the back cage down in the bottom right-hand corner. And I picture my name up there and the little tag reads things like this. You know, this is a mixed breed. Uh, He's deaf in one ear, doesn't hear too well in the others, Uh, short-tempered, not really great with kids, likes to pee everywhere except for outside like he's supposed to. Uh, He barks a lot, uh, but he really needs a home. And in that moment, a smile comes over Jesus' face, and he says, I'll I'll take that one. I've got a place for that one right next to all of my purebreds. I'll feed him the same food. I'll give him the same bones. Let me put my tag on him and make him my own. See, that's what Jesus did for me. And I love that. Took me exactly as I was. That's what Jesus did for you. That God knows you and God chose you. God saw the little tag above your thing that said all these things about you and yet in spite of all of those things, smile comes over his face and says, I'll take that one and make it my own that your worth and value comes from that, that your Abba is near. And again, for me, the power is that that was a choice of God, right? I'm not an inconvenience for God. I'm not an annoyance for God. I'm not something he just endures. God delights in me, and God delights in you, and he chose you in such a way that he adopted you. The next Part of the letter is letter B, Abba shows his love for his children through giving them, here's the key, his best. Giving us the best. Now, can I confess, in 2020, at times I'm like, God, I don't really think you're giving me your best here in this year, all right? Uh, I'm not quite seeing it, but I'm reminded of this. Much of the foolishness, right, and much of the pain... And 2020 has been self-inflicted, right? It's our own sinfulness. It's our own decisions when we turn against the things of God. But even in my own poor decisions and our own poor decisions as a, as a race and, and as people, 
God still says, in the midst of that, I have something good for you. I've got my best. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 7. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? And in a year, I feel like I've been eating a lot of stones and snakes, right? God says in the midst of this, can I remind you, I have something good for you. My best can still be found. One of the things I think in 2020 that's been an amazing opportunity that I think we're going to look back, because it's given us a chance to do this. It's given us a chance to, to really make our faith in a new and a fresh way our own. It's been an easy year to, to disconnect from church, disconnect from, from our faith in many ways and put it on the background. But what I love about so many of you today is that you have made your faith a priority in a new and a fresh way. That the, re, the ritual of religion and the ritual of going to church and the ritual of all these things has just been decimated with COVID. And now for the first time in a new and a fresh way, you are choosing what your faith is all about. You're choosing how you're going to lead yourself and your family in this new season, a new day. We're deciding, will this issue of my faith be an issue simply of convenience, or will it be an issue of conviction? For some of you, the power of this year is that you are choosing to live your faith out in a more intentional way than ever before. I think about the big C church not only in the United States, but really around the world, but especially here in North America, it's being redefined. It's being defined in a new way and a different thing. And we know this, that the church is going to look, in some areas, very different in the years to come. The message uh, isn't going to change, but the methods, again, will look a lot different as we adjust on ways to reach people. But as we look in this new era, I'm reminded of this. Listen. God has always been more concerned with the depth of conviction than he has been with the number of people in a crowd. It's been that intimate relationship that God values. And in these next seasons, it won't be easy, but I know this, that our faith is gonna be stretched and we're gonna grow. Lex City, we will be stronger in our commitment to one another on the back end of all this if we'll just continue to walk in faithfulness. So I'm excited about the next season God's best for us and what it means. You know, your families, I think about that, your family is experiencing a new thing in a new way. And you're spending time together like never before, right? Uh, we love each other during this season. We haven't always liked each other and it has been crazy and we've driven each other nuts. But listen, it's been a powerful, powerful time. It's been a unique opportunity like never before to reset some of your patterns, new schedules, new interactions, new creating of normal that's there. And for parents, can I just say to you, boy, COVID has repositioned you as the main discipler, teacher, and social director in the lives of your kids. That's a powerful place to reposition you. We are living out Deuteronomy chapter 11 in a new and a fresh way as we lead our families in this next year. So what are the patterns? Here's what I want to encourage you. What are the habits that you want to take from 2020? Where do you need to reprioritize your life to live in a post-COVID world? What are the things that you want to take that have been rich during this season that you want to apply to the next?
See, this disruption in many ways can be God's best for you and for your family if we'll leverage it and move on. The second B is simply this. second B is this, that Abba shows his love for his children through the brethren. Through the brethren. Now, listen, isolation and loneliness, boy, these are emotions that are heightened, right? Especially during this season of quarantine that we're living in. And the longer we stay in this, the longer this progresses, my, my fear becomes more and more that the greater risk that we have in areas of, of just our mental health and emotional health. The challenge for all of us is that we were created by our creator not to live in isolation. And we see that again from the very, very beginning. Let's go back to Genesis chapter two, verse 18, and, and look at God's design. Then the Lord God said, this is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. God says from the very beginning, you were never created to live in isolation, but we're created to do this together. That we're in this together, and, and when we fail to do that, the impact comes on each one of us. So can I just say to you, listen, if you're in a season of struggle during this time, I want to just remind you that our staff, our, our elders, our, our group leaders, that man, we're here for you. And we'd love to serve you in any way that we can. One of the best ways to do that, again, you're on lexcity.info. There's just a section that says uh, prayer. And just write down if there's ways that we can connect and be helpful to you. The power, listen, the power of the brethren, what God says, this is why I've given you one another, is that we can stand together, stand against these feelings of fear and isolation that tend to grip us, the discouragement that comes. And that our Heavenly Father says, listen, I, I care so much for you that I don't want you to do this all alone. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 11 says this. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. I share that because, listen, uh, one of the gifts, again, that we have is our relationship with one another. And that checking in, that caring, concern, what is First Thessalonians? We encourage you to build each other up as you're already doing. Parents, can I just encourage you to check in with your children, regardless of their age? I mean, this has been a difficult season. This is taking a toll on them on ways that they may not be able to articulate or even know, but just to continue to keep a, a pulse on that. My heart goes out to, to our high school students and our college students. This loss in this season has been significant in, in ways that we don't even fully understand. But, man, the world shifted underneath your feet, and nobody even bothered to ask you how you felt about it. And I know you feel like you're reeling and you're out of control. Can I just encourage you, boy, to share what you're feeling, uh, to process that with people. This has been a difficult thing, and the loss for you has been so dramatic. Our Heavenly Father cares for you. He cares for us emotionally. He cares about our, our mental health, our physical health. And so he says, listen, I care for you like a father because I'm Abba. And I want to be in your life in that way. Then he continues on and he finishes with the last final A. And it simply says this. Abba shows his love for his children through acceptance. Through acceptance. The unconditional 
acceptance of our Heavenly Father to us, man, this is such a gift. It's something I don't have to perform for. It's something I don't have to achieve. It's not something I have to earn in order to receive. That my Heavenly Father delights in me. Think about that. He doesn't just tolerate you. He's not accepting you out of obligation that your heavenly father delights in you. And so Jesus wants us to understand this unconditional love of our heavenly father for us. And so he shares a story, a parable. He shares a story of a father who has a rebellious son. And this rebellious son, the prodigal son, takes all of his father's inheritance that's due to him and runs off to do his own thing. It goes poorly, and now the son finds himself at the lowest of all points. And in that broken moment, he humbles himself and he returns to your father. And then Jesus goes on to share this story in Luke chapter 15, and he says this. Here's the son. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And here's the heart of our father for us. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast For this son of mine, here's the key, was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. That your heavenly father delights in you. So in this distance, in this moment, if this sermon finds you feeling distant and distracted and far from God, can I remind you today you can always come home that your heavenly father awaits you on the porch to run to embrace you if you will just come. In these moments, all you need to do, even in this time, is just cry out to the Lord and say, God, I've just drifted. (laughs) God, I wanna come home and let your heavenly father meet you there. You know, for you as parents, can I just encourage you, it's probably during the season you, you feel like you're falling short during this pandemic. Can I just encourage you to rest in God's acceptance of you that he delights you in you, and that you're not doing as bad of a job as you feel you are in this moment, that God is using you in amazing ways in the life of your family. And so in this, just accept God's grace and God's acceptance of you. You know, as your pastor, this is such an important thing for me, that God's love for me is not dependent on the number of people in the seats, especially today as I preach to an empty sanctuary, that my acceptance comes and that I am called his child. Friends, today it's such a powerful thing that Jesus shares, listen, I want to, he says, I share with you the story of the prodigal son because I want you to understand the heart and the character of your heavenly father, that he is Abba, that he desires to pitch his tent in your presence, desires to move into your neighborhood and into your struggle and into your challenge. He desires to be present with you in your very life. God says, listen, I wanna encourage you that I have adopted you, that that I want my best for you, 
that I've put the brethren and people around you to encourage you at times when you feel discouraged. And at the very end, even during difficult times, I wanna remind you that I accept you and I receive you with open arms. <laughs> and so when we face uncertain times like this, can we be reminded of who God really is? That when we view our Heavenly Father as he desires to be viewed by us and who his character truly is, it, it creates in us confidence, it creates in us security, and it creates in us a heart of gratitude. Today, we're gonna experience and just practice that point of gratitude. We mentioned earlier that today we're gonna take communion together, and in just a moment, the worship team's gonna come, and they're gonna lead us in a song, and during that time, I just wanna invite you as individuals or as families, if you have the elements before you to take these and remember that Jesus, out of his love for you, allowed his body to be broken, to be whipped, to be spit upon, that he might have a relationship with you. That Jesus, out of his love for you, allowed his blood to be shed that we might experience forgiveness for sins. And through that forgiveness comes our acceptance and our security and our worth. Through Jesus' act upon the cross, he reminds us how much his heavenly Father loves us and desires to dwell among us. Let's pray together. Father, today, we thank you for that profound truth that you love us. Today, we take time to remember, to reflect of your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. And as we take these elements today, they are the reminder of the act of that love. So Lord, today, may we just run back into your arms in a new and a fresh way. May we call you our Abba, our Father. In your name we pray, amen.